Well, good morning is right. Uh, what a kind of a hazy day, um, kind of a challenging season we are in right now. I told Bonnie last night, I, I feel like this is like a monster that's kind of come in here and trying to take over these fires, and it's really a challenge. And so uh, we're going to pray about that today, and we have a little strategic plan that we want to put into place and ask you to help us pray. But before we get into all of that, I just want to welcome those of you who might be a first-timer uh, guest here at Timberline Church. We fully understand it can be really awkward to be in a new church. You don't always know what to expect. We, our goal is that you sense the presence of God, that you feel you're among friends, that you can make yourself at home, okay? So please do that. There are many wonderful Bible-believing churches here in northern Colorado. We, we lock arms with them. Uh, there's really one church in the world, and it's his. And so if you're looking for a church, uh, our, our, we wish you the best. And find a place where you can really plug in and make a difference using your gifts. But if it's here at Timberline, we especially welcome you. And there's a connection card that looks like this. It's in the chair back in front of you. Take a moment to fill that out. And uh, if you do have interest in wanting to know more about some of the ministries of Timberline, you can give us an email address on there. Check any of the boxes on the back of that card on the top half. And in the, the offering, in a few moments, just tear this off, drop it in the offering. We won't come over, call you, bug you, sell your name to anybody, I promise, okay? So feel, feel free to be a part of us here at Timberline. We love that. Make sure you look through your bulletin. We don't give too many announcements here. We want you to read them, read through them, but we do want you to be informed. There are 12, I think, tables in the mall this weekend. Tables in the mall are simply our way of putting people out there that you can talk to, sign up for stuff, uh, ask questions. It's we believe in involvement. We believe your local church should be a deploying place to release you to do what God puts in your heart to do. So let us help you do that. Make sure and read through all of that stuff. Um, enough of all that. Let me, let me have a little moment here with you to talk about a couple things specifically we, in, in Northrop Home, we have this space growing up with our kids called the living room. Anybody have a living room in your house? And it was a place for us to do family meetings. Our kids would tell you there were many times when the evening when I would say, everybody to the living room. And we would talk about what's happening, what's going on, some of our family values, principles. We told stories in there. We talked about each other's day. And I I, we have called this room our living room as a church because it's where we talk about life, it's where we make adjustments, it's where we talk about values. And we are in the middle of a pretty big crisis in northern Colorado with now these fires, and we need to have a little living room chat. And so one of the things that I want to say to you is we have, we have partnered with many agencies across northern Colorado and now federal agencies to be a church that opens its arms to do everything within our power and our grasp that God has blessed us with. What that means is it's going to be inconvenient for some of you who are leaders, who lead ministries, who utilize rooms at this church. On any given week, in any given week, um, we have between 250 and 300 planned activities in this building. People don't always realize that. The weekend is one thing, but the midweek, we have nights where every room in this building is used. We have opened this building to a ministry called Samaritan's Purse, which we love. Many of you have heard of Samaritan's Purse. How many of you know the name Billy Graham? Yeah, that's a good word, isn't it? Well, his son Franklin Graham is the president of Samaritan's Purse, and they are deployed here to northern Colorado for this fire. It's specifically a ministry that helps uh, people who have suffered uh, fire damage and disaster. 
And without going into all the details, we have opened our building to allow, I think it's 30 plus people to actually live in this facility for up to six weeks as they serve our community. That's why the big trailers, how many of you saw the trailers? They have showers in there and office headquarters and we're providing phone lines and stuff like that. So it's a partnership. And, and I just need you to be patient with us. If you're in a ministry that gets displaced because we didn't have a room for you and we've tried to move you somewhere else, how many of you would say it's worth it for this crisis we're in to make adjustments? Amen. Thank you. So we're really going to make these adjustments and, and be welcoming to other agencies. You guys have been volunteering all around our community with Red Cross and Samaritan's Person, all the agencies with the Sheriff's Department. Thank you for that. We're really at the front line. We have called tomorrow, Monday, a day of prayer and fasting. And uh, we announced this last night, and it was just a wonderful idea for us as a church to say we can pray. Now, I want to just step on this for a minute because... There's really not much rain in the forecast, but how many of you know it's okay to pray for rain? And it sounds maybe silly or idealistic, and, and I serve a God who is able. It might not rain, but I can pray for rain. And I just encourage you to, to pray as God prompts you to pray, and don't be afraid or embarrassed to pray for things that seem impossible. That's what prayer is. So if you are prompted to, to pray, I mean, we all should be praying, but to fast and pray tomorrow, maybe one meal, maybe the whole day, you do what you want. Our church is gonna be open. Our prayer room is right off to the side there, and you are more than welcome to come and utilize that space. So we're not organizing it here all day, but just be praying. Let's be a praying church for that. Um, I think that's, that's enough on that. Thank you for that moment. We're gonna receive our regular tithe and offering right now, and ushers, would you come? As they are coming, let me bring real clarity to what we're doing with our offerings. This is our tithe and offering that we would give weekly, bringing that to the Lord. And um, we've obviously are using a lot of our general fund to help engage uh, issues that we're facing in this crisis. But at the end of our meeting today, we have our one day to feed the world offering, which is asking you to give one day's wage to, to strictly give away. And we're gonna give that away. And this year we've announced that it's, it's gonna stay local for our own disaster. So I hope you're prepared for that. I hope you've been praying about that. We've been talking about it for several weeks. So it's a sacrifice, but we'll do that at the end. So this is our regular tithe and offering. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to give and to care and to make a difference in the world. In your name, amen. Pastor Mark, would you come and would the teams come? Uh, those of you who are here, I think we have teams that are going to uh, Arkansas. Talk us about the Haiti team. We're just going to pray for, for some our local uh, people here who are going out on a missions trip. This is our missions pastor, Mark Orphan. Great. Thank you. We're, we're, we have two teams going out in the next two weeks. One to Hot Springs, Arkansas to care for the children, uh, 54 fatherless kid, it, kids at uh, Hillcrest Children's Home in Hot Springs, Arkansas. In Windsor today, they're praying over our Dubison Haiti team, which is going out this week as well. There are 13 going uh, to Hillcrest, and they're spread out through the different services this weekend. So would you join me in praying over uh, our members of our family as they go to serve? God, we thank you for calling us 
thank you for each person that's a member of this team and, and, and the Haiti team that are going out in these coming two weeks, God. We thank you for the way that you speak specifically to us. And so, God, as they've prepared their hearts and given sacrificially and, 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 and paved a way to go, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would rest on them, God, that all of the gifts of your Holy Spirit would come upon them as they go. God, we pray for protection as they travel in these next couple of weeks. And God, for your divine appointments every day that they're there to minister and to represent the love of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would prepare the hearts of those that they will serve, these children and, and women, God, who are at the maternity home there. We pray that you would open up doors as only you can, God, that in this partner ministry, there are brothers and sisters in Christ that, we, that we, we share your love with, God, that you would work through them, work in and through this team in life-changing ways, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Mark. Let's say thanks to those that are going and uh, keep praying for them. Well, it is great to see you. I just feel like we're kind of huddled together to look at God's word, to learn what, God, what are you saying to us? Anything? Should we be listening in a new way? What does it mean? Have you ever used the phrase, well, at least can't, it can't get any worse? And then it did. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit what this feels like. And sometimes it goes from bad to worse, as they say. And I don't understand that. And it, it's a challenge. We pray, we seek God, we try to do what we're supposed to, but the challenges just keep on hitting us. And so I think this message today is very timely in light of where we are. Uh, when we started the Mark series, I had no idea that on this weekend, we would be facing what we're facing in northern Colorado. But the title of this message, we've known for months, Why Do Things Go Wrong? And here we are in this moment on this weekend talking about Mark chapter 6, verse 14 and following. So if you have a Bible, open it up and, and let me just give you the essence of the story. There's, a, there's two women in the story named Herodias. It's a mother and a daughter with the same name. Mom simply named her daughter after her which is fine. The problem is they're, they're really not very nice. Herodias is a pretty wicked woman. However, she has power because she is married to the king. His name is Herod. Herod is all power. I mean, kings in these days could do whatever they wanted. If you looked at them wrong, off with your head, they could command it and it's done, okay? No questions asked, all power. So here's how the story unfolds. Herodias, the mom, is going to ask for the head through her daughter, the head of John the Baptist. Remember him? How many of you are familiar with this story? It's a pretty scary story, and I don't fully understand why it happened. John the Baptist was a great man of God. He was obedient to the Father. He prepared the way of the Lord, Scripture says. And yet he dies in a fashion that doesn't seem to glorify God at all. When things go wrong. Let me just talk first if you have an outline on the back of your bulletin. Let's start with number one there. Reputation is overrated. I know people who work on their reputation their whole life and it really may not matter what your reputation is. In this case, John the Baptist's reputation could not save his life. No matter how good your reputation is. Look at this story. In, in Mark 16, 14, Herod Antipas, the king, 
soon heard about Jesus because everyone was talking about him. Okay, so this story is about Jesus. Jesus is on the scene. He's healing people. We've been talking about that these past weeks. Some were saying, this must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That's why he can do such miracles. How many of you would say that's a pretty big compliment for someone to say, you remind me of Jesus? <laughs> wow, that's what they're saying here. Others said he's the prophet Elijah. Still others said he's a prophet like the other great prophets of the past. When Herod heard about Jesus, he said, John, the man I beheaded has come back from the dead. Now he's going to, Mark's going to go into the story in a minute and tell us how it happened. But I want you to see what's going on. The reputation that John the Baptist had did not spare his life. Herod knew that John was a holy man. As a matter of fact, they were friends. You'll see in a minute, Scripture tells us that, that Herod really enjoyed talking to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was not afraid to confront Herod, probably the only one in the culture that would confront Herod on his lifestyle because of various reasons that you'll see. But I want you to notice this one thing before we go to point two, and that is this. This guilt that Herod had in his life caused him to feel like this Jesus has come back as John the Baptist to haunt me. How does guilt impact your life? Because guilt is not something we enjoy living with. I, uh, I, was, I was a kid that was really sensitive. I still am very sensitive. And, and I, I used to, if I did something wrong, I remember many times laying in bed at night saying, Lord, I'm so sorry that I had that attitude or that I said that. And I remember many times going into my parents' bedroom and climbing up in bed with them and hugging them and saying, I'm sorry for whatever. And, and uh, just because guilt drives us to certain things. But in this case, Herod knew what he had done was wrong. And he was going to pay for it dearly. The second thing in your outline is this. The truth is not always easy. We, we talk about the, the, the easiest path. I'll tell you, sometimes truth, it, it's always the best way. How many of you know that? Truthfulness wins in the end. Deception never is something that's a good idea. But it's not always the easy way. So let's look at what happened in verse 17. For Herod had sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John as a favor to, guess who? Herodias, his wife. And here's why. She had been his brother Philip's wife, but Herod had married her. John had been telling Herod, it's against the law for you to marry your brother's wife. So Herodias bore a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But without Herod's approval, she was powerless. For Herod respected John, and knowing that he was a good and holy man, he protected him. Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John, but even so, he liked to listen to him. Do you see this relationship? You see what's happening? And here's John the Baptist who has this sort of semi-friendship with the king, and he's confronting him about how he lives, and Herodias is saying, what are you doing with this man? I hate this man. He's calling us out on something we have the right to do. And John the Baptist is saying, no, you don't have the right to do it. That's sinful. That's behavior. And I'll tell you, if you're John the Baptist and you're looking at a king who can have your head chopped off at his command, it's pretty tough to confront somebody with the truth. But there's a message here to us. 
The message is we are the people who need to walk in the truth regardless of the environments we are in. We are not chameleons. We are not people who take the shape of every other form to fit in. And yet we are sensitive socially to understand how to build bridges to people who do not share our faith. But that does not mean we will ever compromise the truth of this book. This truth brings the freedom to people's lives, and sometimes it's tough. I started thinking about the tension <laughs> that exists between you know, sharing the truth and, and receiving the truth. Have you ever been confronted? <laughs> Some of you are like looking at your spouse like, yeah. How do you respond when someone tries to deposit truth in your life? You ever thought about that? Are you receptive? Are you appreciative? Or does it make you grumpy real fast? <laughs> right? Don't raise your hand. Okay, I don't need to know. But sometimes we, we have problems when someone says, and even if we've invited them in, I'm talking about someone close, not a stranger. We do not like to be confronted with things even though sometimes we know there's truth in it. And it's hard because it, it pushes against our behaviors. It pushes, even if we know it, it makes it tough. And I just would like to say, let's be people who will embrace truth if it honors God. Let's not be afraid. Let's not get our feathers ruffled, as they say, when people are trying to deliver truth in our heart out of love and out of care. And the second side of that, let's not be afraid to be people who bring the message of truth to others that we love. However, having said that, please don't be a Christian that uses the Bible as a baseball bat, right? And I've seen people who just love the moment of truth, and they can go in and they can blast people because the, and their, their, their excuse and their statement to me would be, well, it's the truth, and they need to know it. And I want to say, let's start with love. Let's start with loving the person, and let's bring truth to that person out of relationship. Amen. That's what we're about as a church, you guys. We need to know that. Let's move on. Herodias hated John telling the truth. Number three, be careful what you promise. Now, this is where the story goes into a really interesting direction because King Herod is about to make a promise that's going to be very costly, especially for John the Baptist. Verse 21, Herodias' chance finally came on Herod's birthday. Now, here's quite a birthday present. He gave a party for his high government officials, army officers, and the leading citizens of Galilee. Then his daughter, also named Herodias, came in and performed a dance that greatly pleased Herod and his guest. Guests, ask me for anything you like, the king said to the girl, and I will give it to you. He even vowed, I will give you whatever you ask, up to half of my kingdom. How many of you think he drank too much at the party? You know, I'm thinking, and these parties were known as drunken stupor parties. And I don't know, and the Bible doesn't say that, but it, it, I just, I'm just seeing this wild moment when Herodias comes in and does this dance, and the king is, you know, mesmerized and he stands up and makes this big statement in front of all these great leaders and he says, I'll give you anything you want. You know, I just would like to say we should be really careful about what promises we make to others. Because when you make a promise, you need to stick with it. I've made promises to my wife. I've made promises to you. 
I've made promises to God, which is the ultimate. Will I keep those promises? It's a, it's a sobering thing because I want to make promises that I'm willing to keep. That's why the Bible talks about taking a long, hard look at the promises that we're going to make and recognizing the price that goes with every promise we make. And if you've not been faithful in your promises, start today. Draw a new line in the sand and say, God, help me to be faithful in my promise. And help me to know what that is and help me when I realize I'm crossing a line. Make me aware of it. Man, I wish he wouldn't have promised what he's about to promise because it really messed up a lot of people's lives. We also have to be careful, and this one really touches a chord right at home for us. We really have to be careful the promises we make in behalf of God. Would you agree? I see Christians sometimes saying things like, well, God wouldn't let your house burn down. Really? You're saying that in behalf of God? Is that a good idea? It's good to pray for people. It's good to pray with them. But it's really a challenge, that fine line between you being God and making a promise in his behalf that maybe he has made and maybe he hasn't. And I watch believers get in this tricky place where they try to make promises for God because they want it so bad. And they take scriptures that are the positive sides of faith. Guys, I'm a, I believe in faith. I believe the gift of faith can come upon you and you can speak the voice of God through the Spirit. I believe that. But I think we as a, as a congregation and as a people of God need to pay attention to what it means to speak for God and to pay attention to the promises we make to our worried. I'm very sobered by the reality of the fallen world we live in. This isn't heaven. And bad things happen, and challenging things happen, and fires happen, and tornadoes happen. And we have to say, wow, Lord, show us. Give us the wisdom to know what happens. Well, look at what happened. Number four in your outline, when reality sets in. When reality sets in, it's a, it's a daunting moment, and it's heavy. And I can just feel the room shift immediately. Verse 24, Herodias went out and asked her mother, what should I ask for? I wonder if Herodias had this grandeur idea of money, wealth. I'm going to be set up for life. Her mother told her, ask for the head of John the Baptist. Wow. So the girl hurried back to the king and told him, I want the head of John the Baptist right now on a tray. Then the king deeply regretted what he had said. But because of the vows he had made in front of his guests, he couldn't refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner to the prison to cut off John's head and bring it to him. The soldier beheaded John in the prison, brought his head on a tray, and gave it to the girl who took it to her mother. Now you think about that. You think of the challenges of that. You think of the issues here. How many of you believe it changed the tone of the party in that moment? I mean, this sounds like a movie, like made in England. <laughs> I wish Lucas was here to hear me say that. <laughs> it's just insane. I, I, I look at the story and I just think, what, what would it be like to have this moment of a party, a celebration uh, a, a joyous time, and all of a sudden there's a soldier coming in with a real head 
of a godly man on a tray because the king made a promise without thinking about it first. Wow. Let's be people who weigh our promises and pay attention to facing the realities of the things that I create in my life and the wakes that I have in my life. I, uh, we have some realities that we're facing right now as a community. And in light of this fire, I thought this would be a good moment in this message to ask Pastor Mark to come back and give us just a three or four minute update on involvement, some of the things you can do to be involved. We exist as a church to deploy you in service. And man, you guys have jumped out there and gotten involved. Pastor Mark has led the way. Many of you have been wearing the red shirt, the 6.8 shirt. Tell us a little bit about the sequence of all this and where we're going and what we're doing in these next few months. Great, thank you. You know, I don't know if you're anything like me, when, uh, when uh, the way that I respond when things go wrong has to do with where I am with God before a crisis hits. And often, and in my case, every time I can look back and see that God has, has been trying to prepare me, whether I was open to that or not, God has been trying to prepare me for a crisis before it ever hits. That has certainly been the case here at Timberline Church. And if we look back, you can look at the history of Timberline Church. And if you've been here a long time, you know that God has had his hand on this church in incredible ways. And as Timberline has continued to look out in the community and around the world. God's hand has been on this church and has given, given Timberline favor in, uh, in our community in amazing ways. In the last few months, more specifically, several of our local missions leaders have just been very, very prayerful, have committed to fasting and praying, sensing that God is doing something unique. God is doing something new in their hearts. What emerged out of that specifically was this strategy called Serve 6.8. And in March, uh, we just began, after a lot of fasting and praying, to begin to go out. What does Serve 6.8 means? Uh, in, in, in praying together, there are two scriptures that just really kept coming to mind. One is Micah 6.8, which says, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Isaiah 6.8 is Isaiah's commissioning, and it's where Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And those two passages just kind of came together as a foundation of what God was laying on our hearts. And so we just began to go out in the community more intentionally and say, where are people hurting and broken? Where are dark places in our community that we could just go out and love and just show the love of God. The mission of Serve 6.8 is to show the love of Jesus in tangible ways with no strings attached. And so with that in mind, we just began to go out and to address needs as they came to us. It was interesting, 15 days ago when the fire started, we had two teams out in the community doing just that. One of them was at a, a trailer park in North Fort Collins. Uh, there, we were referred to a family there where a tree, several months earlier, a big branch of a tree had fallen through their, their mobile home, their, their, where they lived. And they had lived with this gaping hole in their roof for several months. And so they referred to us. We were told by community leaders who asked us to come that 
that this was the highest crime rate and the lowest income trailer park in a neighborhood in Fort Collins. And so we prayerfully went and we had teams who went in and in a day, we had a missions trip in North Fort Collins in a day. And we had a team of skilled craftsmen go and completely replace that roof uh, for this family. We had uh, a cooking team come and just make meals and lunch for as many kids in that trailer park as, as would come and just be with us for the day and just get to know them a little bit. We had a Spanish speaking team that went because we found out that there were several families in that neighborhood that, that we knew from the bridge and from adopt a family and we hadn't talked to since December. And so they went out in the community and just spent time uh, in homes on that day and that's the day the fires broke out. It felt good to be doing God's work, and I believe where God wanted us to be when crisis hit at that moment. And so that afternoon, uh, several of us went, and we just showed up at the very first community briefing, and we just kept showing up. Talked to, to leaders of the Red Cross and the Sheriff's Department and, and the Fire Department and just said, we're just here to serve what, whatever you need. And, and we just continue to do that every day, and many of you have been a part of that and God has given favor and opened doors and allowed us to be a part of, I believe, very significant ways of being, being in touch with families in crisis. Every day, twice a day, we've had teams out being volunteer chaplains uh, at the community briefings. We have at this tomorrow, we were called by the Sheriff's Department last week to say, our people need a break on the phones. Our people cannot keep up with the counseling load of people that are calling on the phones. And so they asked us to mobilize, and we trained over 20 people Thursday night who will start this week to relieve people in the Sheriff's Department on the phone and just do phone counseling for people. We've been able in, in different ways to serve people on the front lines as needs just come to us, whatever they may be, volunteer firefighters, and they kind of trickle down. And so God has continued to redirect and, and, and request are coming to us. As Pastor Derry mentioned, in this partnership with Samaritan's Purse and a number of other agencies, Convoy of Hope has called almost every day and said, what can we do? How can we get behind you in supporting this? Samaritan's Purse is here, and we are starting this coming week. We have taken on a huge task uh, of going in and hands-on serving the families whose, whose homes have been lost or damaged in very substantial ways. We're going to describe that. Uh, Samaritan's Purse leaders are here with us at a meeting tonight at 6 o'clock in the South Auditorium. We will be going through very specifically what those is opportunities are. Is anyone invited to that, Mark, tonight? Everyone is invited to that, and we'd love for you to come. It's Serving Central as you walk out today uh, of the main auditorium to the left-hand side. You can do one of two things, and this is the specific action. One is to get on that 6.8 email list so that every day as new opportunities emerge and we're asked to do more things, they'll come to you by email. And you can just prayerfully consider, yes, I could do that or I couldn't do that. And then the other is information about that meeting tonight at 6 o'clock. And we'd love for you to come. There's little flyers they can hand, uh, hand you there as you go out to give you information about that meeting tonight at 6 o'clock. Let me say thank you for being what I believe God wants us to be in this community, going out and loving first and then allowing people to open up their hearts to the truth of Jesus Christ. Thank you very much. Let's say thanks to Pastor Mark and the teams who have already gone out and made such a difference. Really powerful. See, and it's important that you do, you minister in an area you're good at. Like how many of you would say, you do not want me as a counselor? 
right? Right? <laughs> How many of you would say, you don't want me doing some cooking? Right? But some of you can cook, and some, these emails are just, you choose what you want. That's why I love this, is you can say, yeah, I'll do that, or no, that doesn't interest me. So get back there and just sign up to at least get the email. Number five in your outline, do what you can when you can. This is, this is just Christianity 101. It's just basics, but sometimes we forget it. And I want you to see one of the most compelling verses in this whole story. When I read this in my study, I literally stopped, I put my Bible down, and I, I wept. It, it jumped off the page at me, and I'm still not sure exactly why, but I was overwhelmed by this one verse. It says this in verse 29. When John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, his friends, his followers, heard what had happened, they came to get his body and buried it in a tomb. Remember, this, this is the palace and they're walking in as a group of followers in their grief, hearing a rumor that John is dead. And now they are handed a body that has no head on it. And they took that body and they went out out of respect and love for God and love for John. They took what was broken. They took what was dead. And they put it in a safe place. I just felt like God prompted me to say, that's a picture of the church. We take the remains of evil, we take the remains of that which is horrible, and we do the best we can with what we have to bring honor and respect and dignity to the people who've been wounded and bruised. Let's do that, amen? Last thing are just some observations. I'm gonna just bullet through these really quick. Number one, evil is evil. I know that's very profound and you're gonna to have to think about that, but I wanna remind us that these, we're in, a, we're in a moment right now where there's some evil things in our culture and I guess I want you to realize it's beyond our control at times on this earth the way it is now. Number two, it doesn't always turn out the way we want. See, if I know that as a follower of Christ, then I'm not gonna be in dismay when something goes wrong. If I'm anchored in God and who he is and the principles of this book, I'm not gonna give up on following Christ when something happens that I didn't expect to have happen. My faith needs to go deeper than my circumstances. And for some of you who are living on that circumstantial plane, let me tell you something, you're on a yo-yo ride. Because it's like, God is good, well, God's not so good. Oh, God is great, oh, God's horrible. Well, God is, because you're, you're, you're weighing everything in on what's happening to me in my life right now. That's so narcissistic, just to, just to put truth on it. This isn't about just you. This is, a, this is a kingdom principle that we are living for something for more than just us. Look at a bigger picture. We have to. I, will I learn? That's the question. Will I trust? Will I go through this in a way that matters tomorrow and next week and next month? How will it change me? Number three, be faithful even when it is beyond your control. Be faithful when you can't fix it, when it's bigger than you. You know, I think of, you know, shaking my fist at people 
or at God is probably not going to change the fire or the circumstances. I'm amazed that people who are mad at firefighters, you know, you just get a few little snippets of someone who makes this remark about, and I'm thinking, you're, you're, you're biting the hand that's saving your stuff. They're doing everything they can, and yet we do that. We growl at people who love us. We need to pay attention to that. Number four, be strong even in disaster. Be courageous. I love that word. What does it mean to be a courageous person? It means I can look at the losses and I can say I still am anchored in God. He is bigger than this. Number five, things go wrong because this is not eternity with God. We're in a fallen world. Have you noticed that? And sometimes we think this should be heaven, but it isn't. This world doesn't share our values. It never will. There will be a new kingdom on this earth one day when Jesus will reign and rule. I believe that. And I can't wait till it's here, but it isn't here yet. And so we need to deal with these issues as real as we can, as powerful as we can, and trust God in ways that maybe we never have before. I'm reminded this is not the place of total peace and pain-free living. But God is greater than this world. And he puts peace deeper than anything this world has to offer. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you in this moment to be that God of comfort, of grace, of mercy, of power. Be strong in this place today. Be strong in this community now. We trust you. We honor you. Do what only you can do. How many of you would say right now, I'm devastated by something? In a minute, I just want you to raise your hand. It might be the fire. It might be a relationship. It might be work or finances, I don't know, but there's devastation going on in your life and why did it go wrong? You're in that right now. You're in it right now. We, we all will be in and out of it our whole lives, but right now there's some of you that are in it right now. And I, would just, I just want to offer a prayer over you. Raise your hand if that's you. You're in it right now. It's a big thing. Okay. Lord, thank you for these that are feeling the devastation of the world, squeezing them out the heart they have that lifts a hand that says, yes, that's me, I need help. Thank you for that humility, for that trust. Thank you that I view that as a strength in them, not a weakness, that they can actually depend on somebody, especially somebody called God. We depend on you and we need you. Secondly, how many of you would say, because of a disaster in my life recently, or in months past, I'm facing a new reality of how I need to live my future. Loss does that. Some people are gonna have to rebuild. Others have lost loved ones and you have to rebuild their life. Some of you have been through relationship crisis. How many of you are facing a new reality right now that you say, pray that I'll have wisdom and guidance in this new reality that I'm looking at? Hold up your hand. I just wanna pray over you. Okay. Jesus, you have the map. And you can guide us and direct us. And you're not afraid of our future. You are fully engaged in it. And so for these who have lifted their hands with this new reality, with what it is going to look like and the challenges there, would you walk with us through it and be strong in us? Lord, for those who need to face the truth of their decisions, thirdly today, 
just the, the, the things they've spoken, the vows they've made, the whatever it is, I pray that they would be really integral about what, what it means to face the promises we've made, the realities we live in. Bring conviction and love and grace all at once. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you personally, I just pray for them right now that they would pray with me this prayer. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse my heart, my mind, my body, my spirit. I know and I believe you died on that cross for me and you rose from the dead that I might live free. In Jesus' name, I give you my life. And everyone said, amen. Our prayer team is gonna come in just a moment and they're gonna be available to pray with you. Please don't feel like you need to rush out of here. Some of you need to just stop and pray a little while and pay attention to what God's doing in your heart, okay? So we'll help you with that. We're gonna receive our one-day offering. It's one of my favorite offerings of the year. Bonnie and I have participated in this for the last five or six years or however long we've been doing it. One day's wage given away to help those in need. If you don't work right now and have no income, then you're supposed to give zero in this offering, okay? If you make a lot of money, uh, please figure it out. Give what God puts in your heart. Honestly, that's really the bottom line here. So thanks in advance for giving. Lord, we give this out of joy, not guilt. We give it with, with pleasure to say, we're the church and you've called us to give. So bless it now, meet needs and let us have amazing stories that unfold through these next months as we help people in our own backyards. In Jesus' name, amen. Give unto the Lord. Thanks, God. You're a mighty God. Lord, thank you for your word, for the strength of it, for the encouragement of it. Thank you for those who have been honest in response today. As we walk out of here, Lord, if we sign up to serve, if we go to those tables, if we go make a difference, just spend us. That's our prayer. Spend us in a world that desperately needs your light in its darkness. For your glory, we pray it. And everyone said, amen.